Hey everybody, welcome to the Legacy Podcast. My name is Bill Dupenthaler. And I'm Mike Conan, and this is a podcast for disciples who want to make disciples. All right, well, welcome everybody back to the Legacy Discipleship Podcast. Uh, Bill Dupenthaler here with Mike Conan, and we are so grateful for you and and so uh, excited to have you be a part of um, our discussions and and um, and and Mike, I'm excited about uh, today's discussion because this is uh, one of my favorite all-time books that we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit um, uh, today. Master Plan of Evangelism. It's and you've read this a, many times too, I guess. Yeah, well, it certainly is a good man-sized book. You know, like it's not 500 pages; <laughs> it's like 100 small pages, and so I've dynamite. Maybe that's right? why. Yeah, yeah. Know, maybe that's why I like it so much. It's a, it's it's a short book. We we, we talk about um, uh, you know like uh, goals for the year and 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 um, and uh, yeah. What are they called? The New Year's resolutions. And and, and uh, I know some of the groups I've talked uh, with. You know, often people say, "I'm going to read you know four books a year, one a quarter. I'm going to read six books, one every other month, or twelve once a month." And so this is a good book. Uh, to to put on that list because you'll get through it, you know. Yeah, it's like memorizing but, uh, scripture, memorizing Jesus wept, you know. John Jesus wept, yeah, or exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this book, uh, the Master Plan of Evangelism uh, by Robert Coleman, uh, it's been around for a long time, uh, and 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 way back when uh, I was on Young Life staff, even my early years in the in the eighties and nineties. Um, this book was was so um, instrumental in helping me to really formulate my approach for uh, ministry all those years. And, you know, we used to have like these big young life ministries and, and lots and lots of people. And people would always ask, you know, well, how do you do it? How do you get all these people out and, and, and um, all those kinds of things? And, and if we got into enough of a discussion about it, I would often point back to the principles in this book, I'd say, well, there's a little book called Master Plan of Evangelism. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we used to always look at it as, as this idea of, of um, reaching the masses through discipling a few. And, 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 um, and that's kind of what this book is about. I mean, he, he talks about the principles that, that Jesus employed to reach the world, the master's the plan of evangelism, um, so that's what we're going to talk about the uh, today and the next few weeks. Uh, and I think it's just really going to be a, a fun discussion to to kind of uh, go through and 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 get some of the highlights from this book and and share it with all you guys. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, I want to start just by reading a couple of short uh, little paragraphs from the the preface from this book, and I think this will really help you to to see kind of where we're going in this whole thing. Um, it says, objective and relevance. These are the crucial issues of our work. Both are interrelated, objective and relevance. Uh, and the measure by which they are compatible will largely determine the significance of all of our activity. Merely because we're busy or even skilled doing something does not necessarily mean that we're getting anything accomplished. The question must always be asked, is it worth doing and does it get the job done? 
this is a question that should be posed continually in relation to the evangelistic activity of the church or whatever ministry you happen to be involved in. Um, so here's the question. Are our efforts to keep things going, are those efforts fulfilling the Great Commission of Christ? Do we see an ever-expanding company of dedicated people reaching the world with the gospel as a result of our ministry? That we are busy trying to uh, do the work uh, and to do uh, evangelistic programs and those kind of things, that cannot be denied. But are we accomplishing our objective to reach the world for Christ? And so uh, that's what this book is about. It's, it's the idea of can we really evaluate what we're doing and, and, and answer the question, is it really fulfilling the Great Commission? That really is a foundational thing, isn't it? When we think about yeah. anything that we're doing, and I come from the church background, and you've been in church forever too, so I, I, we can both speak to that. Yeah. And and I, I love his language too, the way that he talks about the church, and that that's the place where this is meant to be done, is in the context yeah. of believers gathered together in unity. And I, I love that idea, and we could have a long discussion about church, what it is and isn't, but one of the things that is clear is the commission, the mission given to the church is to go and make disciples. And so everything yeah. that we're doing should be measured against how are we doing with the mission that Christ has given to us. And I think that's such a great way to think about everything. Okay, we're, we say Jesus is Lord. Well, what has the Lord told us to do? And, uh, you know, and we talked about this last week a little bit with Rick Warren's, you know, book that kind of separated evangelism and discipleship, worship and all those things out. But uh, I think as as you and I process this, um, couldn't agree more that whatever we're doing, the the bottom line is is it working, <laughs> right? Yeah, and 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 is whatever we're doing the thing that God's really called us to to be doing? And and, and that's the other thing. I think uh, well, we were we were chatting a little bit about um, if this is maybe my favorite book, maybe your favorite book is uh, Experiencing God by Blackaby. Yeah, and and um, that's fair to say. And and, and you know, and, and he talks about in, in, in that book this idea of of people kind of going about ministry, you know, strategies backwards, kinda of like, Well, this is what I want to do to serve you, God, and now would you bless it instead of asking the Lord, Well, what is it that you want me to do and I'll do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's our American nature, to be honest. Maybe one could even say Western culture nature to, to say, I'm the center, you join me, Lord, instead of, Lord, you're the center, let me join you. <laughs> you're the master, I'm the servant, I don't get to pick my jobs, I just, uh, I just do what you tell me to do. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So this book is The Master Plan of Evangelism. And, uh, and, and it goes through, there's eight short little chapters, uh, eight guiding principles of, of Jesus' plan to, to reach the world. And, and so we're going we're gonna to focus in a little bit today just on chapter one. Uh, and the title of the chapter uh, is uh, Selection. And uh, so, so, Mike, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off kind of on this first little point? Well, before we jump there... I wanted to say, because one of the things I appreciate about the preface of the book, too, uh, was this idea that Jesus didn't just do things randomly. 
Uh, and, oh, and, right, yeah. You know, and that we, part of our job is to figure out what is the master calling us to, but also what did the master do? Jesus is the master. So what did he do and how does he want us to emulate that? And so one of the things is we read through the gospels and, and again, we're not focused on just these four chapters of the Bible, people read the whole Bible. But as we think about this particular area, <laughs> you know, we want to think about, well, what, what did Jesus do and how did he do it? Was it planned, purposeful? Was it strategic or was it just random? Like, did he just randomly go and heal people? Did he just randomly go and visit people's houses? Did he randomly invite people to follow him? Or was it purposeful? Was it strategic? Was he actually trying to create something that would carry on after he was done? And I think both of us have yep. become persuaded that Jesus did this very purposefully. Uh, and he wanted whatever he was doing to be uh, able to carry on after he was done. And his purpose yep. and plan was to see people come to know the Lord, the triune God of the universe, to come into a right relationship with God, and then to walk in wholeness with that God afterwards. And so yeah. he had a specific plan and way that he did that. And I think that uh, in the book here, I, I do think that Coleman does do a good job of, of kind of unpacking that plan. Of, and that's where you get to those eight guiding you know, principles of the plan. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I was going to mention too. I'm I'm glad you you brought that up, Mike, because um, uh, I wanted to challenge people. And it doesn't matter which one. You could take any of the four gospels and try reading the gospel, one of the gospels, with the specific idea of looking for Jesus' strategy of discipleship. If you can read one of the gospels just through the lens of okay, what was Jesus doing? Yeah. You know, how was he carrying out this this plan? And what you begin to see is like what appears to be random things like he's talking to people and healing people and giving little little talks to groups. You you, you begin to see that oh my gosh, it was all really really strategic and really focused and and uh you know yes he 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 gives the the, the sermon on the mount and uh and, and yes he tells a parable like the parable of the seed and the sower but then then he pulls aside with the disciples and they say oh no jesus what did you mean when you said that and he says okay listen i'm not explaining this to everybody but yeah. but here's what i meant it's just for you guys you know, and so that principle is so cool to look at. Yeah. And so as we think about that, that Jesus did what he did on purpose. He had a strategy. He had a mission. Yep. And uh, and then he wanted that to carry on. He was very clear at the end. And this is your job now. You go and make disciples. And then he says, yep. and love one another as I have loved you. And he's do as, and Paul carries it on, imitate me as I follow Christ. You know, so it's that whole the same thing. Uh, so the yeah. first principle, uh, and it's in chapter one, is 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 what the whole chapter is about. And this is the only one we're going to have time to cover today, but it's on selection. And we've talked about this in a couple of different ways. We've also looked at it and talked about it in terms of inviting. Uh, we've also talked about it, uh, you know, in the context of how do you know who to invest in uh, or how does it work? And so this whole chapter, uh, as he's uh, Coleman's kind of unpacking it, is about how Jesus 
fulfilled his mission. And the first thing that he did is he was picky. Uh, and by picky, it means that he made choices. He uh, said yes to some and no to others. And that leads us to kind of the first principle that we see here is uh, Jesus focused on leaders, not converts. And Jesus' attention was on developing leaders, not converts. And the quote that I liked, uh, and I know you did too, uh, is his concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. Let me read that again. His concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. Yeah. What stands out to you about yeah. that line, Bill? Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting and in, and. In, in, both of us having been in vocational ministry for a long time, uh, we've experienced this a lot. And, and, and that is uh, beating your head against the wall, trying to reach somebody that doesn't really want to be reached. Yeah. <laughs> and and, 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 and the, the principle in the Bible of, of um, well, there's a couple of things I'm trying to say at the same time. One is, is the idea of... of um, Shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next town if they don't receive you. Uh, it's it's so hard uh, when when you you want so badly for someone to know Christ and you want so badly for someone to be connected to to uh, the the body of Christ and and to to do those things and and you just can't force it and and you you lead a horse to water but can't make it drink and all that kind of stuff and and uh, and so so there's that and then and then. There's the, this principle of, you know, you, you got to invest in the people that that are really going to be. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to say it uh, in a, I guess, in a politically correct way, but that worth investing in. I mean, everybody's worth investing in, of course, and and God loves everyone, but sometimes there are people that that. Um, they're 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 leaders and they're and they're people that that are ready to take on um, what God's called them to do and and uh, we we talk about sometimes fan the flame you know and 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 you see that in people and when you see somebody someone that that you know is ready to be used by God and wants to be used by God and 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 wants to be a leader of people. I mean, those are the ones that you invest in, not the ones that you're beating your head against the wall. Well, if if I were to offer my two cents here with this quote, his concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, um, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. I will tell you, working in the church, I've worked in, in uh, three different larger churches, so thousand plus people there. And every single time the pressure was on to bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better. The, the numbers were always, how many people are coming? How many converts did you have? And uh, still the church, you know, today there's, and that was so ingrained in my head. Um, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you, um, I am not convinced that that was the best uh, idea. I, and again, I'm not against that idea. Um per se. But I had a class, for instance, in one of those churches, I taught a Sunday school class when I was in seminary. And there were 12 to 13 people in the class. Okay, so it was in a large church, pretty small. The other class had 30 people in it, I think that was they were the two young adult classes. 
Of that class, every single one of those people became full-time ministry people. Uh, either they married somebody who was a full-time ministry or they themselves went into full-time ministry. Uh, and I think that there may have been a couple now who are not in it anymore. But I look at that and I think, man, it, there is something about this idea of if if you can get and and that and you wouldn't look at those people and say, boy, those are all the quote unquote leaders, you know. And I think that's yeah. one of the things yeah. that I appreciated about uh, what the way that Coleman tackles this is. And I don't think that's what you were saying either, Bill. But uh, is don't be so consumed with numbers. Don't be yeah. so consumed yeah. with. You know, and if you're in young life, you know, how big is your club? If you're in the church, it's how big is your church? And I tell you, I would tell people all the time, you know, the church I was at was the fastest growing church in our presbytery for five of the eight years I was there, I think. And so it was like, okay, well, that's awesome. But that's not focusing on the the things that were going to bring long term, real, you know, change. And I think that's what I, I stood out to me about that first thought is. You know, what's really going to make a difference is not addition, but multiplication. And yeah. and then I, I think that as he's talking about, and that's, that's why I think this little segue could be helpful too, is what do we, what do we look for in a leader? And, and Coleman talks about it a little bit, uh, about what is, how did Jesus pick his leaders? What stood out to you when you were reading that section on Jesus and how he picked his leaders? Well, um before I answer that, I was going to make one other comment about about the the whole numbers thing. Yeah, and because I think a, I think a lot of people struggle with with this idea. You know, just because naturally we're we're human and we want to appear successful and appear like you know we've got yeah. the really happening deal. You know, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with having a big crowd and and having a happening thing. That's super cool. You know, but that's not the goal. Um, but one of the things I've been learning a lot in the last couple of years is is um, is, is to really like believe that the Lord has His hand on 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 what you're doing. If you've prayed and asked God to lead you, and He's and He's led you into doing what you're doing, um, then then like believe that He's got His hand on it. And and so uh, so try to let go of some of your expectations. Of, of what it's supposed to be in your mind. Uh, so if you've got a small group and there's six people and, 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 um, on one particular occasion, there's just you and, and one other person that shows up, um, instead of, instead of like being, oh man, gosh, where's everybody else? This, this is kind of a bummer. Uh, in, instead of that, it's like, wow. Isn't this awesome? The two of us have this this time together t- today. Just the two of us, man. God must have something really special planned, and and to to look at it from that perspective, you know. So, but yeah, but this well, idea that's a great of way to uh, look at back, it. I mean, if I could, you know, just jump in and and I totally yeah, yeah, yeah. agree with you. You know, like there's another thing, another way which you touched on, but I think is an even bigger issue is don't let your identity be in the success, quote unquote, of your ministry. Nobody would have yeah. hired, nobody today would hire Jesus to be their pastor. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, and nobody would hire him to be their young life leader. Uh, based on his numbers and track record and uh, the, the fact that he was wandering all the time and only investing these 12 people, there'd be so many angry parents in young life that you'd have to deal with. <laughs> and in the church, you know, the, the Pharisees would be upset because they weren't getting enough attention. Uh, 
uh, Jesus, you know, wouldn't even be hired uh, today in the modern church. So, yeah, don't don't feel like, man, my identity is needs to fall into the Pharisees trap, which is more prestige, uh, more honor based on stuff that doesn't matter. And I, and I think that that's a challenge. And so if we think about the question, then I'll pull it back to you now is. So, so what stood out to you when he was talking about the leaders that Jesus picked, you know, these early disciples, uh, you know, was there anything in those pages that kind of stood out to you? Well, I, I just like the idea, and, and you see this theme, like, throughout the Bible, too, uh, that, that God calls ordinary, everyday people. You know, yeah. now sometimes he calls kings and queens, and sometimes he calls, you know, great leaders, that are already recognized great leaders, but so often, in fact, it seems like pretty much most of the time, God calls ordinary people um, to be those those ones that He's going to use, the ones that that He's gonna gonna put in positions of of leadership who are gonna change the world, you know. And and I think that's the principle that that stood out to me more than anything. I I think that yeah, and that's what He said. And, and Jesus always had the purpose of the mission in mind. He, he, and that's the other part that stood out to me, is his mission was to get people who he knew that would he could mold into becoming what he wanted uh, to see happen. And those would, be, of course, become disciple makers themselves. These folks would carry on his mission. And in my mind, that's what a leader is. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think that sometimes we get so caught up in and I've told you before the tension I feel like, you know, in the church, one of the churches that I've attended in the last few weeks, the, the pastor said something along the lines of, well, we, you know, have our heads on a swivel trying to find, quote unquote, leaders. And I'm like, why isn't everyone considered a possible leader? What, what makes someone a leader yeah. or not? And, and you could say, well, they have already have a following. And then and you're like, okay, well, why do they have that following? You know, is it because of their personality? Is it because of their looks? Is it because of their money? Is it because of, of other things? Or is it because of their heart? And is it because of uh, the Lord? And, and I would rather have a leader who's, you know, got uh, maybe less of a following at this point, but somebody who the Lord could really teach and mold to become that next thing. And that leads us to the next one. I'll let you pick it up right there uh, with the next little thought well i mean i mean here's a here's a great quote from from the book it says their mannerisms may have been awkward and their abilities limited but with the exception of the traitor their hearts were big their hearts were big and man give me somebody with a big heart uh you know and i'll, I'll take that person over the, the 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 flashy person any day what do you think it means to have a big heart, Bill? Like, I love that quote too. Read it again and then tell us what it means to have a big heart. This is good. Their mannerisms may have been awkward and their abilities limited, which, by the way, so, so he's describing most of us. <laughs> but with the exception <laughs> of the traitor, you know, Judas, uh, their hearts were big. And, and when I think when I think of a, somebody with a big heart, I mean, it, it, somebody that 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 really deeply cares about people, uh, really deeply um, loves the Lord, uh, someone who who um, has a realistic understanding of who they are and 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 is is not uh, proud or arrogant uh, right. but rather someone who who 
realizes that 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 um, when they submit to 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 the Lord and and trust God with 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 everything in their lives, that that it's like, man, God, would you use me? God, would you would you place me in in positions where I can make a difference in people's lives? You know, those are the kind of people, man. Give me some of those. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Like. The, the central thing that comes to mind with somebody with a big heart is the love of Christ just exudes from them. And their love for the Lord, their love for people, it just comes out. And and often with that comes a, uh, uh, like you said, a humility, but also, it, it, dare I say it, a um, awkwardness at times, uh, because maybe they... They're, they may not be the strongest intellect in the world. They may not overthink everything like Peter, you know, but instead mm-hmm. they're right in the middle. Their heart is pulling them wherever it's pulling them. And, and John, same thing, you know. And so it's like that moment uh, where I, those people really do stand out to me, uh, too. And and I want to have that big heart, too. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's many things that have been written on that over the years. I think the other part that stands out, too, from the book uh, and another line is, is you're also looking for teachable people, people who yeah. want to learn and grow. Like, that's, that's the other thing that Jesus, I think, looked for. And, and you could tell by his interactions with the Pharisees that he made a wise choice by not picking them. Uh, because they did not <laughs> want to learn and grow from him, right? I mean, yeah, and so... Uh, that's the difference, I think, between the Pharisees, who had been normal for a rabbi to pick somebody like that, and these guys, is they were more humble. They were willing to learn. Jesus saw in these simple men, this is the quote, the potential of leadership for the kingdom. They were indeed unlearned and ignorant, according to the world standards, Acts 4, 14, 13, but were teachable. And uh, you've talked yeah. about that at length, that being teachable in your, what you look for is that somebody with a big heart who's teachable. I think that's just a great descriptor of the type of people that Jesus invested in and the type of people that we should be looking for. And when we're thinking yeah. about this, this idea of selection, who do we select? And when you're focusing on leaders, these are the people that we think of, we think of leaders, teachable with big hearts, teachable yeah. with big yeah. hearts, Right. Oh yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I, I mean, I love the way you said all that uh, because I, I, especially in the last few years since, since we've been doing Legacy, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've approached you know a lot of different guys uh, and and talked to them about these things and being disciples who make disciples and 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 being a leader and and all the just all the stuff we're we're talking about right now, and and I've been amazed how many. How many guys have said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. That's okay. I, I mean, that's cool that you're doing that, but, but, um, yeah, really, it's okay. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And not very teachable and, and not very humble. And, 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 and again, not that if someone doesn't want to get involved with legacy, that means that, you know, they're a bad guy or they're not, they're not yeah. following Jesus. I mean, obviously, of course, that's not true, but, but, um, it, it, it is interesting, man. Um, uh, and, and, and I tend to be a pretty, you know, cast the net pretty wide guy, you know, yeah. so, and you, and you do too. We've talked about this, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm going to throw it out there to everybody, you know, man, just like Jesus did, you know, come follow me and, and, um, and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and so, so, you know, we, we cast those metaphoric nets wide and, um, 
and and then ask the Lord God bring us the ones that that you that you want just like Jesus prayed before he called his disciples bring us the ones that you want us to really invest in those ones the few that are going to go change the world and 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 so often I've got in my mind you know who I'm kind of thinking is going to be the one and 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 oftentimes that's that's the one that says yeah it's okay I'm good and then, exactly. and then the one that that is yes. not the one I had in mind is the one that says, "Oh my gosh, I would love to be doing that." Yeah, like the friend who's at the group. Yes, I had that happen thousands of times. It feels like, even though it's been yeah. less, you know. Well, we better shift gears here as, as we wind it down. Um, so, yeah. not only do you want to make a selection, but he argues that you you don't want to make too to have too big of a group, uh, and and I think that there's something really to that because. The bottom line is Jesus picked people so that they could be with him, the master. And he still ministered to the crowds. He still ministered to all these people. But he primarily, during his three years of ministry, devoted himself to the 12. And if you read it even closer, he even devoted and gave more special experiences to the three, to Peter, James, and John. And uh, yep. the first quote that I, that kind of dug in with me on this was, One cannot transform a world except as individuals in the world are transformed. And individuals cannot be changed except as they are molded in the hands of the master. Hmm. And you and I had a discussion about this earlier, Bill, but... Uh, what do you think it means to be molded in the hands of the master? Let's just say for argument's sake that we agree on the first part there. What does it mean to be molded in the hands of the master? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so we, we were kind of chatting about that. this. Well, well, if if we're supposed to be imitating what Jesus did, and Jesus, uh, certainly in, in the Gospels, he was the master yeah. who was discipling his his guys, so does that mean that that this is saying that now we become the master and uh, and and the people under us are our disciples and 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 so they it are being weird, molded it, in the hands that. of the master. Yeah, it just sounds weird to so, say that, doesn't it? <laughs> like to call ourselves yeah, a master yeah. seems weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I sleep in the master bedroom of our house, so I don't know. But yeah. uh, but no, we're we're not the master. Yeah. The master is is Jesus. Jesus is the capital master, and, and yeah, the capital M, and and um, and and he is the one who molds people's lives by by spending time with him and and praying and letting him teach us and reading his word and and all the things that we talk about in terms of you know going to church and and, and being taught and reading good, good books like Master Plan of Evangelism and those kind of things. That's how he molds us. Yeah, and and God though does that through His people, as we, we were talking about earlier too. That's one of the things that we both have learned over the years. Is yes, it's being done by the Master, but the Master uses His people to do His work, and so that's where the Holy Spirit dwells in you and me, and the Holy Spirit overflows to each other. Um, the uh, the next line I, I like this too. I'm just going to read it because I like it. It also graphically illustrates a fundamental principle of teaching that other things being equal, the more concentrated the size of the group being taught, the greater the opportunity for effective instruction. Uh, in other words, hey, if the group gets too big, you lose your effectiveness. Uh, and yeah. 
And again, we don't have to even spend a lot of time on that. We could just agree and say, you're going to, if you have a group of 12 people, uh, it's going to be one experience. If you have a group of three people, it's going to be one experience. If you have a group of 70 plus people, it's going to be entirely different experience. And we want to be cultivating more and more groups of three and 12 and those type of things uh, so that those groups can then multiply. Yeah. And really, I mean, Jesus had 12 and, and even and even Jesus lost one. So yeah. <laughs> really, in the end, 11. Uh, and, and he was so, the son of God. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty darn good at it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So 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 really, man, uh, again, smaller, the better in some ways. And yet, you know, keeping in mind the goal is to reach the masses. But Jesus is, is teaching, and certainly Coleman in the, in the Master Plan Evangelism is, is teaching, uh, that, that it's, it's the focus on the few is where the power really is. So Jesus devoted most of his remaining life on earth to these few disciples. He literally staked his whole ministry on really those 11 guys. Yeah. The world could be indifferent towards him and still not defeat his strategy because his strategy was to invest in those few. And that was, and that was it. That's what he did. And so yeah. we got to follow that, 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 that strategy. That's what this is saying. That master plan evangelism, invest in a few. Yes. And then train them to invest in a few. Uh, right. So let me just end it with a couple of quotes here for inspiration, and then we'll wind it down. Uh, Jesus was not trying to impress the crowd, but to usher in a kingdom. This meant that he needed people who could lead the multitude. And then the bottom line, this is the last uh, you know, paragraph of this uh, introductory first chapter. We must decide where we want our ministry to count. And the momentary applause of popular recognition or in the reproduction of our lives in a few chosen people who will carry out carry on our work after we are gone. Really, it is a question of which generation are we living for? And that seems like Sounds a, like legacy. I, it seems like a great quote to end on, didn't it, for us as we think about <laughs> leaving a legacy is the way we live legacy is investing in a few. And yeah. uh, we want to thank you for listening to this podcast and and if you are interested in the master plan of evangelism, uh, we, we want to give that to you for free. So for any donation that you give to Legacy, uh, we will send you the master plan of evangelism for free. And uh, we'd love for you to be reading it with us. These next podcasts, we're going to go through the next uh, seven principles of this master plan of evangelism. And each one uh, will be just like this one here, where it'll give you some profound thought and insight into your life as you be, try to become a disciple who makes disciples. And you can always check out more at ourtruelegacy.com. I also think this would be a great time for you. If you've got a friend who hasn't listened to this podcast yet, this would be a great time for them to jump on board over these next few weeks as we unpack this master plan of evangelism because uh, they're going to be getting some great inspirational stuff that can uh, maybe help them rethink uh, their life is they there's it's not a coincidence that we decided to do this after January and for New Year's resolutions and those things. Again, just want to yeah, go ahead, Bill. 
Oh, and maybe you're about to say this, but I was going to also say, um, and speaking of leaders, uh, we we are starting in a couple of weeks our our next uh, leadership training class, and and we do it on Zoom, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Yeah. We'd love to have you be a part of it, uh, but you need to get signed up quickly because uh, uh, we're going to be starting uh, in just a couple of weeks. And so uh, let us know if you're interested in being a part of that. It's not a huge commitment. I think it's once a month on Zoom, and then and then one time time in between each of those where, where Mike or myself will uh, meet with you. Fantastic. And I was even going to say, take it a step further and say, if you're listening to this and you're in the Geek Harbor or Tacoma or Puget Sound area here, and you're in a small group and you think you've got folks who would love to become disciples who want to make disciples and might be even interested in this leadership program, Bill or I would love to come out to your small group and talk to you guys about this. And same yep. thing if you're in a church and you, you've got an opportunity and, and you, we, we could come to your church, we'd love to do that and tell more about what we're doing. Uh, yep. All that to say, though, we do appreciate you listening to the podcast. We do appreciate you sharing it. And we appreciate our friendship in also this partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ to take this uh, mission to the world and let us all become people who are disciples who make disciples. Amen. Amen.